0: You're listening to the Table Church Podcast. The Table is a community in Orville, California that aims to follow Jesus by doing what he did love God, love our neighbors, and serve those in need. Find us at thetablechurch.net, Instagram, or Facebook. And now for the message. We are three weeks into a four week series about baptism. And essentially what we're hoping to do is if you've been baptized, it's a reminder to you about what your baptism means. This is what Christians have been trying to figure out uh, from the beginning, is that we have been trying to each and every day live into our baptism, discover the meaning of that really until the day we die. Uh, This baptismal journey, it happens once in a sense, but we continue to discover its meaning Uh, as we continue to grow towards Jesus. So if you've been baptized, that's what I'm hoping to do, is remind you of your baptism. That was an ancient saying in the church. Remember your baptism. Or if you have not been baptized, I would love for you to consider that, to be in prayer for that. That's something we're going to be doing next week, if there are folks who want to do that. If you have any questions or comments about anything I say, feel free to text. I have my phone handy right here. That is the number, and I'll do my best to answer those at the end if we get any If we don't, I'll try to answer them throughout the week. It is on the bottom of each screen. So if you lost it or in your bulletin. Here's some options for next week. And really, this is the last week to sign up. So consider deeply. Uh, We can do baptism. If you have not been baptized before, I would love to have the honor to do that. Uh, Be in prayer about that. You can reaffirm your baptism if you're saying, maybe it's been a long time since I've been baptized. Jesus has done an incredible work in my life. I'd like to reaffirm what Jesus has already done we could do that. If you want to dedicate your children, you can do that. That is saying to the church and to Jesus that you're going to raise your children in a godly way. And you could baptize your children if that's something you want as well. If you want any of those options, please mark your blue card. We would be happy to be talking to you about that. Again, this is really the last Sunday to sign up for that, and we get to celebrate next week. But we are talking about baptism. We are talking about the what's and the why's of baptism because really, uh, as I've said from the beginning, I can tell you what baptism is. I can tell you what it is all day. I could write a 20-page paper for you and give you all the scripture and theological things that go along with baptism. But ultimately, before we get into the what, we always have to talk about the why because really, that's the most important thing for you. Your why, why you got baptized or why you want to be baptized is gonna be the most important thing for you. That reason uh, that, that encourages you towards this uh, dissecting that, trying to figure out what Jesus is doing in the midst of that, that is ultimately going to be the most meaningful part for you. And so I, I i can't preach on that too much because that's your why, uh, but I want you to be thinking about that. And again, you can retroactively be thinking about why were you baptized? Why do you want to be baptized? This is Frederick Nietzsche. He's a philosopher, he's kind of an anti philosopher. Uh, he, he doesn't like philosophy, but he spent all his life doing it. He also did not like Christians at all. He thought this was a religion for the weak, women and children. And in many ways, he was right. We do talk a lot about weakness and dying and, and suffering and, and, and laying power down for those on the margins. Um, and so in some ways, I really love Nietzsche because I think some, he gets it more than most sometimes. But when talking about this why thing, I think he has a great quote. He says, If you know the why, you can live anyhow. And so, even when we disagree about theology, uh, we can agree on some of these big things about why the why is so important. So I would love for you to be considering that. Scripturally, why we get baptized, just a couple that we've hit every week. I'm going to hit it again all four weeks. Jesus was baptized, and Jesus is the model for what we do. We follow Jesus. We walk in his steps. Uh, He teaches us what to do. How to be human. So Jesus was baptized, we get baptized. Jesus commands baptism in Matthew 28. It's called the Great Commission. He says, go into all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded them. He commands us to practice baptism. If I were to try to summarize my theological why of why we do baptism, it's this. Baptism cements what Jesus has done and as a catalyst for what Jesus is going to do in our lives. It cements what Jesus has already done. And it's a catalyst for what Jesus is going to do. That's my ultimate why for, I think, baptism. But let's talk about what baptism is. As I've told you uh, for the last couple of weeks, there's an organization in the world called the World Council of Churches. They got all the denominations together, all the major denominations. Some of them didn't show up, some of the little ones. And they tried to figure out what we all have in common. What do we have in common when we talk about this stuff? Baptism, communion, ministry, church. And they got together and they talked about baptism and they came up with four marks of baptism that every denomination, major denomination, believes. The first one is that it's a participation in the death of Jesus and the resurrection. That going down in the water is like going down in a grave and coming up is like experiencing a resurrection, coming to new life. Uh, I have Aaron is going through all this with the children, and they got pretty nervous about, they're like, I don't really want to die. And we're like, wait, 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 no, it's symbolic. And they're like, could you use some better words, please? Like, there's a participation in Jesus' death. Uh, But I think in some real way, they probably understand this a little better than we do. We're like, it's a symbol. And I'm like, but it's, it's really more than that. We're dying to our old selves, and we're coming back to life. Last week, we talked about it's a cleansing and converting. The... Everything that water means to us, we get in the sign of baptism, right? It, it washes us clean. Today, we're going to talk about it's a sealing of the Spirit, and it's a belonging to the body of Jesus. And next week, we're going to have a short sermon that it prepares us, and it gives us a taste for the kingdom of God and the world to come. Today, sealing of the Spirit, belonging to the body of Jesus. That's what we're talking about today. That's all your points. If you're a note taker, that's it. That's the whole thing. But let's flesh it out a little bit. 1 Corinthians 12, 13 says, one verse. We were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether you were Jew or Greek or slave or free, and we were all given one spirit to drink. And I don't have a lot of time to go into this today, but as I keep studying this spirit thing connected to water, when Jesus talks about water or giving us something to drink or or giving us uh, that that water that quenches every thirst we have—he really is connecting to the spirit. Spirit really is connected to us drinking and water. But that's our verse. We're going to pull our three points for you. Know how I preach, had our hands, something to know, something to feel or experience, something to do. And what God wants us to know, based on this topic, is that baptism seals the spirit in us. Now let me say right off the bat, this is mysterious. I don't understand how this works. I can give you a 20-page paper about what all the scholars have said about this, but at the end of the day, no one knows how this happens, what is happening in the midst of this. This is just something that every major Christian denomination believes, that somehow in baptism, there's a mystery where the Spirit is sealed into us. Matthew 23. I mean, 23, holy smokes. Matthew 3. I got us 20 chapters off. Matthew 23 is like, the world's ending, everybody. Get ready. And the Pharisees are terrible. Uh, Matthew 3 is Jesus getting baptized, and we see immediately this connection between the Spirit and baptism. That in Jesus' baptism, the Spirit descends on him like a dove, resting on him. And then a voice, the Father, says, this is my Son, whom I dearly love. I find happiness in him. Or Paul says to the Ephesians, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit because you believed in Christ. The Holy Spirit is the down payment on our inheritance, which touches on a little bit on next week. But there's this idea of being sealed with the Spirit, the Spirit being sealed with us. What does it all mean? I have a little bit longer of a video from one of my favorite organizations called The Bible Project, and they trace the Spirit throughout Scripture. I'd love for you to take a look. Look. <laughs>
1: If you've ever heard the phrase, the Holy Spirit, and you want to know what it means, where do
2: you start? Well, you have to start on page one of the Bible, where the uncreated world is depicted as this dark, chaotic place. But then, above the chaos, God's Spirit is there, hovering, ready to bring about life and order and beauty. Okay, but what is God's Spirit? Yeah, so the Spirit is the way the biblical authors talk about God's personal presence. The Hebrew word is ruach. Ruach. Yeah, you got to clear your throat at the end. So what is it? Well, ruach can refer to a number of different things, but what they all have in common is energy. Energy? How so? So there's an invisible energy that makes the clouds move or the tree branches sway. Right. Wind. So in Hebrew, that's ruach. Okay. Now take a big breath. (sighs) So you feel that inside you. Yeah, the air? Well, specifically the energy, right? The vitality in your body that you get from breathing deeply. That too is ruach. And this is the same word used in the Bible to describe God's personal presence. Just like wind and breath are invisible, God's spirit is invisible. Wind is powerful, and so God's spirit is powerful. And just as breath keeps us alive, so God's spirit sustains all of life. Yeah, ruach. happening in history from God's point of view. That's exactly right. And here's the problem as the prophets saw it. While God's Ruach had created a really good world, humans have given in to evil. They've unleashed chaos into it through their injustice.
1: A new type of disorder.
2: Yes, and the prophet said the spirit would come, just like in Genesis 1, but now to transform the human heart, to empower people to truly love God and others.
1: How will this new act of God's spirit happen?
2: Well, centuries pass and we are introduced to Jesus. and At the beginning of his mission, there's this beautiful scene where Jesus is being baptized in the waters of the Jordan River.
1: Yeah, the sky opens up and God's spirit comes and rests on him like
2: a bird. This story is saying that God's spirit is empowering Jesus to begin the new creation. And we see this happening when he heals people or forgives their sins. He's creating life where there once was death.
1: Now, Israel's religious leaders oppose Jesus and they eventually have him killed.
2: But even here, God's spirit is at work. The earliest disciples of Jesus, who saw him alive from the dead, said it was God's energizing spirit that raised Jesus.
1: This is the beginning of
2: new creation. Yes, and it is still going. When Jesus appeared to his closest followers, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. And soon after that, the
1: Spirit powerfully comes on all of his disciples.
2: So that they can become a part of this new creation and share the good news and learn how to live by the energy and influence of God's Spirit.
1: And so, today, the Spirit is still hovering in dark places.
2: Yes, pointing people to Jesus, transforming and empowering them so they can love God and others. And the Christian hope is that the Spirit is going to finish the job. The story of the Bible ends with a vision of a new humanity, living in a new world that's permeated with God's love and life-giving Spirit.
0: Every time I watch one of these, I'm like, I, I say it every time, but it's like, I spent so much money to learn this. And you can watch it five minutes on youtube they have a they have one of these videos for every book of the bible uh, they have one for all these different kinds of themes and i think it's incredible uh but what i wanted you to take all of it as much as you can from that one thing that i think is really incredible is that the the early christians really connected that genesis 1 account opening pages of the bible where the spirit is hovering over the bo- uh, waters uh and the word there is really like brooding like like a like a like a mother bird over her nest over her eggs uh, the holy spirit is is creating new creation hovering over the waters and there's something about our baptismal waters where the holy spirit is there again brooding creating ushering us into this new creation the mission Uh, of the kingdom of God on earth and so they just took that serious and so one of the things that every major Christian denomination believes is that the Spirit is sealed in us at baptism just some things to clarify this as much as we can we believe that the Holy Spirit is always in our lives we believe that it's in everybody's life the Holy Spirit is to the most hardened criminal the Holy Spirit is working in their lives the Holy Spirit was working in your life before you knew Jesus and will continue working in your life until glory comes This is what we believe is true about the Holy Spirit. But we believe that when you become a Christian and give your life to Jesus, the Holy Spirit lives in you, enters into you and lives in you, empowers you, transforms you, equips you, uh, encourages you towards that journey, towards Jesus. And then the Christians believe since the beginning that baptism seals this Spirit in us in our lives, to lead us more fully and finally into the way of Jesus, his kingdom, cross, resurrection, and the world to come. And how Christians have demonstrated this is at baptism, and we do this here at the table, after you are baptized, you get something called chrismation, which is a a mixture of spices and olive oil put on you, and it's just a symbolic gesture that the Holy Spirit is now sealed in you to give you that power to live for Jesus and in the way of Jesus. reminded me of this story a little bit. Uh, A woman in southern Florida, she was elderly. Uh, She had been without power for 15 years. Essentially, a hurricane came through. It took out the power grid, and then they rebuilt it, and they forgot to connect her to it, and she never said anything, and so she just lived without power for 15 years, and she was like, it was cold in the winters, and it, I mean, I don't know if you've ever been to Florida in the summer, but it is oppressive. I don't know how people live there. Uh, it's, a, it's a monument to humanity's rebelliousness against God. Human beings should not dwell in a swamp. You walk outside and you instantly need a new shower. Um, and yet, she went through summer and winter and summer and winter And finally, one of her neighbors dropped something off and noticed she didn't have any power and asked about it, which is pretty bold. And she was like, I'm just waiting for the Hurricane Andrew reconstruction. And they're like, honey. They called the city, and within like two and a half hours, she had power. Fifteen years. And within two hours, she had power. And she said, the first thing I'm going to do is take a hot bath. I was like, okay. And then she's like, I'm going to make myself a full meal because I've been on a single burner like propane burner for the last 15 years it just reminds me so much of what this holy spirit thing is doing and so many i mean we we sometimes just try to live our life without this spirit sometimes we try to live our life in our own ways without the power of God, without the Holy Spirit's help, and it really is not that much work to get attached to the Holy Spirit, to get this Holy Spirit sealed in us. It's like putting our faith in Jesus and going under the water a little bit, and whatever the Christians believe about this happens. We don't have to wait all this time. This woman seems, it seems foolish for this whole situation to have happened, and yet it was a couple hours fix. and I believe the same is relatively true for our spiritual lives. Last quote, we'll move on to the next point. This is Jürgen Moltmann. I love the Germans. They're brilliant. Uh, He says, The Holy Spirit is the unrestricted presence of God in which our life wakes up, becomes holy and entirely living, and is endowed with the energies of life. Something amazing happens in baptism. We are connected to the Holy Spirit in a way unlike ever before, and God really wants us to experience that. What does God want us to feel? what God wants to experience in our hearts. God wants us to experience belonging. Belonging to the body of Christ. Paul says, Don't you know that your bodies are parts of Christ? Or don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? Don't you know that you have the Holy Spirit from God and you don't belong to yourselves? You have been bought and paid for. There is a real sense in the scripture that baptism is our initiation into the body of Christ. This is how we get in. It's easy and hard, obviously. Giving our life to Jesus is hard, but it's as simple as baptism. As I pointed out a bunch of times, the great thing about the New Testament in Jesus is he makes the initiation, right? This this water, this this bath. In the Old Testament, it was circumcision. So only a certain group of people got to be included, and it was painful and awful, and everyone didn't enjoy it. Especially Abraham was like 100 years old, right? It wasn't like a baby. He had to have circumcised at a very old age. And in the New Testament, this gets changed so that everybody gets to participate. This is your way in to the family. i had read this article not too long ago. It was by David Brooks, opinion columnist. And what he had done was he traveled all over the United States, and he talked to young people and he wanted to know what was going on in the lives of young people, uh, what, what they were hopeful about, what they were concerned about. And he says, a generation emerging from the wreckage. And there's a lot in the article that I agree with. And you don't have to agree with me. This is not Bible. This is not gospel at all. This is James's opinion. One of the things I do appreciate about these younger generations is that there's been a lot of years of deconstruction, tearing down important things in our lives, like family, like religion, like politics some of it very necessary, some of it just tearing things down to tear things down. And I really do see some of these younger generations trying to pull things back together in some ways, some ways not. Things are on the chopping block. They are going to try to pull some of these institutions back, but it might not look the same as it did. So the example I always give when I talk about this is like Modern Family, the show. I look at TV. TV teaches me almost everything I need to know. Family is going to come back. It's going to, it had been dismantled. It, it, There's a lot of ways in which it was hurting, falling apart. Family is going to stick around, but it's not going to be the same. It's not going to be nuclear family. It's going to be like chosen family. That's going to be a higher priority for younger generations. The great American poet Taylor Swift talks about chosen family a lot. Chosen family is a big theme in a lot of her albums and songs. Family's going to hang out, but it's going to be different going to be less maybe blood relations and more uh, connections. Uh, I think the same thing, I mean, I think politics is going to stick around for a long time, but people are becoming more and more disillusioned with the way that it has been done. And I think religion is going to stick around. I think people are very spiritual. This has not gone down at all. The level of of spirituality in people has not gone down, uh, but attending religious institutions has gone down. And so I think the church is still on the chopping block as they emerge from the wreckage. I think people really like Jesus. I think people really wish the church looked more like Jesus. And so uh, I see what he's saying in this article, that people are uh, kind of emerging from some decades of deconstruction, and I think they're going to be putting things back together, uh, but it's going to look different than it has before. He gets to the end of his article, and he says, this is probably the, 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 the most important thing that I heard across the board. It was about belonging. He says, I was struck by the pervasive but subtle hunger for a change in the emotional tenor of life. We're more connected, but we're more apart, one person. One student lamented. Again and again, students expressed a hunger for social and emotional bonding. For a shift from guilt and accusation towards empathy, how do you create relationship, one student asked. That may be the longing that undergirds all others. And so, based on his very unscientific evaluation, people are starving for connection. And I bring this up because this is what baptism is supposed to be it entitles you to be connected to a group of people from the past to the future. This is what baptism does. You are now a part of the body of Christ that extends from 2,000 years ago to whenever Jesus comes again and beyond. And it is your right, it is your royal entitlement that you get to belong. And the church has done a bad job at this in a lot of ways. And uh, people are trying to figure out how to do this in different ways as we move forward. But baptism ensures that you don't have to be alone. That not only does the Holy Spirit indwell within you and empower, equip, and encourage you into the life of faith, but it, 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 it stitches you to a body, a family that you can't get rid of. And so that's what I love about baptism is that, and, and again, I want it to be very clear. It is an entitlement. I know that word does not have a great connotation these days, uh, but this is your right. This is your right as a baptized member of Jesus's body. First Corinthians 12, Christ is just like the human body, a body that is a unit that has many parts and all the parts of the body are one body, even though there are many parts. We were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jew or Greek or from LP High School or Orville High School, right? Raiders fans or 49ers fans or something else that's really awful. Uh, And we all were given one spirit to drink, as we had read earlier. This is for you. This is God's way of creating for you a people to belong to. That's what God wants you to feel. Lastly, what does God want you to do? And we're wrapping up here. So if you have any questions, feel free to send them. If you don't, absolutely zero pressure. But the Holy Spirit wants us to, I mean, yeah, live Holy Spirit-empowered lives, loving as Jesus did. I just want to take a minute to talk about what Scripture says the Holy Spirit does in our life and helps us do. Uh, A bunch of Scripture here. First, new birth. It's a new birth for us where we become new people in Jesus. Titus 3.5 says this, John chapter 3. We know John chapter 3 when Jesus is talking to Nicodemus. We know the famous passage, John 3.16, right? But in there, he's talking about the Holy Spirit making us new human beings. John chapter 4, the next chapter, talks about how the Holy Spirit quenches our desires. This is that passage about water, and this is about living water, which makes it so that we're never thirsty again spiritually John 14, Jesus wants to call the spirit a paraclete, which is with the Greek. And I always think of it like a pair of cleats because it translates as a helper, someone who helps us, also comforter. There's also a legal sense in here, a lawyer, but it, it's a helper. It helps us gain traction in our journey with Jesus. That's why I think of cleats. So Jesus says it's going to connect us to him. Jesus says it's going to lead us to Jesus and teach us all truth about Jesus and, in, and Jesus says the Holy Spirit is an advocate and prays for us. And this is repeated in Romans 8 that even when you don't know the words to pray, the Holy Spirit in you is praying on your behalf in such a way that makes sense. The Holy Spirit gives us a gift. Every Christian believes this because it's in scripture so many times Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12. That's easy to remember, they're both chapter 12. Ephesians 4. All three of those chapters say that the Holy Spirit comes and lives in you, and when that happens, you get a gift. You get an ability, a special power to help you on your journey, to help you help others on their journey, to help the church uh, grow to be more like Jesus. And last two here is that the Holy Spirit leads us into that new creation, which is the ultimate mission of God that the world would become a new creation again, and God would dwell with us. And then ultimately, it is literally God living in us. Literally God living in us. My last analogy for all this, sometimes I give stories to help us understand, and sometimes I give stories to help us understand that this isn't a new idea, that this is in the zeitgeist, that this is in our culture. And when I do that, I often use Star Wars... And uh, so I have three short clips uh, because I I think we get it. We get it, even though sometimes we don't experience it. Sometimes we wish we experienced it more. We understand the idea. This is Obi-Wan Kenobi. He's the greatest Jedi on the planet of Tatooine. I don't think they're on Tatooine here. I mess this up every time. And there's some Star Wars buffs that are just like, good (laughs) night. Greatest living Jedi in fact, maybe the only one that anybody knows about until the big reveals, and he's fighting the great bad guy. And ultimately, over these clips, what we're going to see is that Obi-Wan chooses to die. He chooses to leave the heroes. You want him to stay and mentor them and help them, and he chooses to leave because he believes that in leaving, he can be more powerful through the Force. So here's some fighting, Vader. Your power's
2: is a weak old man. You can't win, Darth. If you strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. <laughs>
0: Of the movie. Get ready to get spoiled. <laughs> Use the force, Luke. That's Ben Target.
2: Let go, Luke.
1: The force is strong in this one. Luke, trust me.
0: it that's all you get i love this because in jesus's final message to his disciples john 13 14 15 16 17 it's called the upper room discourse or it's called the high priestly prayer in john 17 he says i have to leave and the disciples are crushed and they go can we go with you and he's like well not really you will though but like not now and he goes but it's important that i leave and they're saying why and they're broken and it's the night before he dies they don't understand they're broken up about it and he says, I have to leave because I'm going to send another one. It's going to be better. And you're going to do greater things than anything that I have done with this power of this Holy Spirit. And we get this. I mean, Ben Kenobi decides he's going to die. And so he leaves his disciples in such a way so that later he can, like... Just be everywhere and speak through the power of the force, I guess. He's like a force. I don't know. I don't know the mechanics, okay? Is there midichlorians here? I don't understand. You get it, though. <laughs> Jesus has to leave, he says, so that he can send the Holy Spirit. That empowers us. That encourages. Jesus is, is one person in one place in Galilee, walking around, able to touch a few people at a time. But in dying and being resurrected and being ascended to the right hand of the Father and in sending the Holy Spirit... His body is now everywhere on earth. And this is what God wants you to experience through baptism. A sealing of that powerful Holy Spirit and a belonging to Jesus' body spread out upon the earth. That's it. That's what Jesus wants you to do. And to know and to feel that we are the body of Christ on earth, empowered by the Holy Spirit to live and love as Jesus did. I had some texts come through, but I have no idea if there are questions questions or jokes, or corrections about Star Wars mythology. (laughs) Someone said they want to dedicate. Excellent. And somebody said, why are the Star Wars clips so short? Also a great question. (laughs) Thank you for those questions. I'll respond to the dedication one later. Thank you for letting me know. Here's the summary, and we'll move into a time of communion. God lives in you. Baptism seals the Holy Spirit in you. I don't understand how it happens. It is the one of those mysteries of the faith that I talked about we continue to live into as we progress. But this is what Scripture and the church wants you to know about baptism. God wants you to feel beloved and like you belong to Jesus and the church. This is your entitled royal right as a baptized follower of Jesus. And lastly, he wants to know that if you're baptized, he wants you to know and do that if you're baptized, you get to become He wants you to become what you are uh, as a child of God, empowered by the Holy Spirit. And if you're not baptized, God wants you to con- serious, seriously consider it. Would you pray with me? Thank you, Father. Thank you for this word for many of us, thank you for the reminder and the encouragement that you are with us, that your holy Spirit dwells richly within us? Would you help us to experience that in a new way this week as we meditate on it, we pray about it, we continue to think about it and chew on it? Would your Holy Spirit make itself known in us? Would we feel that encouragement, that equipping, that power, that transformation that fruit of the Spirit that comes from having the Spirit abide in us. For those of us that are not baptized, obviously the Spirit is in us, but would you help us to think about this, to seriously consider it, to give it some real thought, to figure out our why, why we're here, why we are listening to these messages, uh, what it is that you want to do in our lives. And we will give you all praise and all thanks. Table Church, would you pray with me now the Lord's Prayer? Saying, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done.